We're going to get straight into the Word here in just a moment. <clears throat> Let's just have a quick word of prayer, and then I'm going to get, get involved in just ministering here. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your for just the mastery of who you are in this place, that, God, that you take everything that has been done, Lord, and everything that will be done, God, and sum it up into our heart, into a real living word that we can abide in, that it will abide in us. I thank you, Lord, for the demonstration of your power, that you are God, and you are God alone. I give you praise for that. I thank you, Lord, for the anointing, for the ear of of the people that are here to hear the voice of God. And, Lord, I thank you for also, Lord, the anointing to be able to speak to the voice of God. I give you praise and honor for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, this reminded me a while ago. Um, David, it just kind of reminded me. He was up here, you know. It wasn't quite straight, so he had to straighten it up. <laughs> and uh, I was listening to somebody and, Reminded me of a story I heard about Brother Hagen. Brother Hagen was teaching a class of about a thousand people, and uh, he just stopped in the middle of what he was doing. He says, "I can't teach. We got to fix this clock back here. It was off just a little bit. It's just a, you know, just a little thing there." But they had they actually fixed the clock and uh, got it going. So I'm going to start off with Ephesians two verse ten. It's probably one of my favorite scriptures, if not the favorite scripture. It speaks to me on many different levels, considering my background, where I come from in life. Um, speaks of a, a living word inside of me. And um, so when he asked me to speak, I, I told him, I said, I will take this opportunity. I said, and I'll just let you know, I have absolutely nothing that I have right. You know, I, I don't have anything that's like, I just know that God will come in. And uh, I trusted that, that, you know, yesterday morning when I woke up, I was like, I probably got what I'm going to say, you know. And then as the day went on, that wasn't there. And um, then this morning I woke up, still at peace, but not having anything. About 45 minutes to an hour ago, everything just kind of fell together. And um, I've kind of learned over the years that sometimes you just got to sit still. It don't always come your way. You just got to sit still. And there was a time, I can remember the time, I can remember very vividly, I was asked to speak years ago, many years ago, and there were several times when I would be in that office in there and I would be literally scrambling and panicking because I'm like, oh my God, I don't have the first scripture there. And as time went on, I learned some things about the way the Lord deals with me, is that it's not going to always be a written out, outline. Sometimes it's just going to be something that's spontaneous that just comes up out of me. And I had to learn how to, how to flow with that because that was his flow for what he does inside of me. And that's kind of where we're at this morning. I'm going to read scripture to you. It says in Ephesians 2.10, it says, we, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I'm going to do a little bit of a word study. I'm a word study guy. It helps me to understand some things here. The word workmanship there really means that which has been made. I want to carry you to a scripture in Romans 1.20. You don't have to turn there. I want to read it to you. It says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without it. And that word made there is the same word for workmanship. So I'd like to read it that way. It says, For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are his workmanship. Kind of changes a little bit. It's his workmanship. So it kind of shows you that they're his workmanship, his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. So God took enough time with the creation to make it in a way that people on the earth are without excuse. So we all know the scriptures that talk about the glory of God is, is spoken through the heaven. So if you just get alone for just a few moments and start looking outside and get somewhere where it's quiet, there's hardly no way, there's really no way you can look at this earth 
and think that there is not a God. Now, I know people do that, but that's contrary to what God's Word says, and there's, there's this glory that's manifested. He took enough time to make the earth in a way that it would speak volumes to the inhabitants of the earth. And that's the way that word is used there. That there was enough thought put into it that when he spoke out the world and the light and the beast of the field, he spoke it all in existence with one eternal purpose so it would speak of his glory. Okay? That's the setting. I want us to look back at Ephesians 2.10 because that word is now better understood. For we, we are his workmanship. I am his workmanship. Everything I just said about the world and the heavens, he also took that same thought about who I am. He created me and you in that same mindset. And then the word there, created, is an interesting word. When you look at the original word, it means habited, to be inhabited, or habit, habit if I can pronounce it. Help me. Somebody said it. It's habitable. There you go. I was struggling with it. Yeah. So it means here that he created you to be inhabited. Okay? So he made you with a purpose, and it was to be inhabited in Christ Jesus for good works. He created you in the mindset that he, 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 he looked at it, and he says, I want this vessel to speak of my glory. And I'm going to put something in him and it's a it's a place that you can be inhabited by the glory of God and he says and it's in Christ Jesus for good work. The word good there simply means of good constitutional nature, useful, excellent, distinguished, upright and honorable. So he has placed you in a place in the structure of the heavens to where you can actually be inhabited by God for good works, for those things that are honorable and right in His sight. It says in Hebrews 1.10, talking about the works there, in Hebrews 1.10 it says, And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hand. Same word. The heavens are the works of His hand. There's something that's coming to light to me when I start looking at these other scriptures and start looking at me being His workmanship. Somehow or another, He took the time to spend in my creation so that I would be able to speak of the glory of God in the very same way that the heavens declare His glory. That's very interesting because there's something that I want to share with you that I, I, I thought was interesting, I, I was listening to it, and, and there was a quote that was given about 2007, I'm not going to name the denomination because there's no sense in that, but in this particular denomination, which was a spirit-filled church, or a spirit-filled denomination, there was a survey taken. And in that denomination, they said, how many people understand their gifts? Do you know what you're gifted to do? And for a church, and I don't think we're so much different in this, the survey. But in a church that supposedly was supposed to be exhibiting the gifts of God, exhibiting the things of God, there was less than 10% of the total population of a, of a church that knew anything about what they were called to do. Less than 10%. I'm not so sure that we're any better as non-denominational churches. I think we're probably right in line. But yet God declared something about us that we were His workmanship. So there's got to be an answer to that dilemma. We're standing in a place where it's a sanctuary. But we are a sanctuary. But how many people really understand and believe that? I think we believe it as long as someone else is talking about it, but whenever we are dealing with things, it becomes difficult to see. You know? And let me go on. It says, created in Christ Jesus for good works. The word works is used of the acts of God, of the works of God visible in the created, in the created world. 
the works of nature and of art. We are his place where he, you know, you, you ever seen a, a, an artistic person, a person that has an art mind? They're different. I don't know if you've ever seen people, but they are different. And I'm not saying that in a wrong way, but I'm saying that in a good way. They are much different. Their mind does not work the same way mine does. They can look at something and see something in it that I never would ever see. They can take a paint and a paintbrush and start looking out here and begin to paint something so beautiful. Their mind is much different. I, I, I know of a situation where a lady was an artist, was also a missionary, and there are things, she's gone now, but there were things in her life that didn't make any difference that were major, major events for me. Now, I'm not being critical when I say this, but I like to cut my grass. I do. I don't mind it. Because when I get through, I can see it looks good to me. I feel pretty decent about it, you know? Now, I like to call on some other guys to help me at the house every once in a while, especially when the temperature arrives. I mean, you know, I'm not as young as I used to be, so I call on you to help me out. <laughs> and, and they have done a very good job. But what I found out was that Grass cutting wasn't her thing. She didn't care. But art was. She could produce things that other people couldn't produce. So people with artistic mind, and God, I want you to understand, when He created you for His workmanship, He was in the art of His mind. He had a purpose. He saw things in you that you can't see in yourself. Say, well, how, how fresh is this? It's very fresh right here. I've got this. About an hour. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good work, which God prepared beforehand. Now, to prepare beforehand means very simply this to fit up in advance. So, God, when he was dealing with the creation of man, he was dealing with the creation of you, he fitted you in advance for the good work. That's important because it proves and shows he had thought about what you would do before he created the good work that he wanted you to do. So it wasn't an afterthought that he created all these things that needed to be done or he created places for you to operate and then he decides, oh, I'm going to go over here and create this person to fill this spot. He didn't do that. He went over here and he says, I'm creating mine. And I'm going to create him in a way that he operates like this because I see down the road I'm going to need him to do this because I'm creating something else for him to do also. That's the way he created it. It says that we should walk in them. Beforehand, fit it up in advance that we should walk in them. This is a thought right here. The word walk in the original, it means to regulate one's life, to conduct one's life, to pass one's life, to make one's way progress, to make due use of opportunity. Now, so what I'm speaking with you is not something that I'm not dealing with in my own life. Okay? So, one of the things that just a little while back, a month and a half ago, or a month ago, the Lord, the Lord sends, he, he tends to put a question in me. And in that question, I start hearing the Lord on what he's talking to me about. Because sometimes the thought will just come and it'll be a question mark. And so the Lord begin to question me on something, and here's where I want to talk about this right here a little bit. And so if this seems, if this, if this seems a little bit pointed, it is not intended to be. It is intended to wake up something inside of you. So I'm going to use me as an example. That way I don't offend no one. Okay, try not to. So what I'm, what I'm talking about here is that I spent most of my life, and most people that get around me, one of the first things they'll tell me, you know, if they get around me and they hear me speak, and, and I'm just being honest when I say this, they'll say, you know, you've got a call on your life. Okay? And I'm like, I know. I know. I know. If everybody else knows it, I know I know. And, and you know, and it's, it's, it's something that everybody's got a call. It's not because you don't stand up here doesn't mean that you don't have a call. That's not what that means. <coughs> Everybody has a call. But when you do what you do, people notice 
that you have a call in that area. Okay? I don't sing because I don't have no call. And you need to say amen. It's all right. Some other folks in here don't have no call for that area. You laugh if you want to. I don't have no call. Okay? So if I get up there and sing, you're not going to come up to me afterwards and say, Mike, you got a call to sing. You're not going to do that. You're going to say, Mike, please sit down. And let's let someone else sing today. And I'm okay with that. I understand that. It's just the contrast of where we're at. I, what I find that, that's, that's troubling to me is, is that how many people in the church do not realize that they are actually called by God, set apart by God for a work. Now that work could have many different names to it. It could have five-fold ministry. It could have, it could have things in the, related to the administration of the church. It could have things that are related to whatever it is in the kingdom of God that you are supposed to be doing. What I find is a lot of people, if you just go around and say, what is your function in the kingdom? And what, they, what many people do is come to church. That's the end of the function. That's not where it's at. Where it's at is experiencing the kingdom of God on the inside of you, coming out of you. Okay? It, it, it is about experiencing encounters that transform life. And it's not just, you know, not just making the initial step to go do it in an organized way. That's not what I'm talking about. That's part of it. <clears throat> but, but the other part of it is, where is our witness at to those that are around us? Can they see inside of you the glory of God? Do you carry a presence of the Lord that someone else on the outside of the church can see? Do you carry that? You have that responsibility to do that. One of the things I thought about, so I'm going to use Greg right here as an example. So if I ask Greg, Greg, what do you do for a living? He's a carpenter. He's got construction. Carpentry is involved. If I took tools of the construction trade and put them up here, and I said, Greg, I said, what do you do with this, this thing over here? It's got a claw on it. It's got an end of the piece of steel on it. What do you do with that? If Greg didn't know what that was, and it's a hammer, how many of you calling him? No, probably not. If a saw was up here, a skill saw, and I asked Greg, Greg, how do you use this thing? And he didn't know. How many of you would call on him? It's important that we understand what our giftings are. Because we may be called to something, but if we've never picked up the tool and used the tool, somehow or another, we're losing something in the midst of it. <coughs> I found myself in this same spot in my own life. <clears throat> and God's been dealing with me about how I look at things. It's important to understand where you fit in and how you move in the realm of the Spirit of God. It's important. It's one of the most important things that you could ever do for yourself is to discover who you are in Christ. Now, you don't have to be the guy that sings. And if you're not the guy that sings, don't be the guy that sings. It, it will be well appreciated by more than just you. It, you know, it's appreciated from your perspective if I don't sing. I'm okay with that. But, that don't mean that I don't have something that I can do. <coughs> what is it that I can do? What is it that I have a passion for in the body of Christ? What is it that moves me? Okay? What is it that people say, well, I have such a hard time understanding what I'm supposed to do. 
What is it that you want to see done more than anything else? Find out what that passion is and start following that passion. That passion will lead you to your place. Okay? It will lead you to your place. We talked about he's our work. Let me look at one other thing. Let me look at Ephesians chapter 3, and we're going to look at 8, 9, and 10. It says, To me, who am less than the least of all saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ. And it says, verse 10, is an interesting verse, says, to the intent that now the manifold, which means various shades and, and expressions of God's wisdom of God, might be known, made known by the church to the principalities. Now I'm reading on the East King James Version, the, the King James Version is a little bit different, and I actually like, in this particular scripture particularly, I like this version. It helps get a better grasp of what it's saying. The, the one thing that jumped out at me some time back was, he said that to the intent, he created all things through Jesus, through Jesus Christ, to the intent, or with intentionality, that now the varied expressions of the wisdom of God might be made, made known by the church to the principality and powers in the heavenly place. So there is something that I have a responsibility that I am supposed to be revealing. And what I am revealing it to is the principalities and powers in the heavenly place. My life should pro proclaim the gospel in every way that I, that I walk. And when, when, the, when I walk into a place, the principalities and powers should know this is a Christian that walked in. They should know that. If they don't know that or if they don't recognize it, there is a problem in the fact of how we view ourselves in comparison to relative to what Scripture says we are. We are supposed to take the wisdom of God and manifest it in a way in our life that principalities and powers and dominions and things of that nature in the heavenlies, they understand where we're walking at. What we do many times what I have done, I don't know how to go there, Lord. Okay. What I have done in my own life, I said I was going to use myself as an example. I know, I know in my heart what God's calling me to God started counting. And He said something to me. How long are you going to be talking? How long do you want me? Paul, in Romans 1.1, talked about Paul. He said to himself, he said in the book, in Romans 1.1, he said, Paul called to be in the pocket. In, I think, let me look at In 1 Corinthians 1.1, he also used the same terminology. Paul called to be in the pocket. But he never used that terminology anywhere else. Then after that, he referred to himself as Paul the Apostle. There's a transition that took place in Paul's life, and I want to I want to show you that transition. Give me just one second. Let me make sure I'm on the right page for I'm going to tell you to be at. Look at let's look at First Corinthians 15, and we're going to look at verse nine. Follow with. It says, I'm going to give you a minute to get there. Because I want to show you a transition that took place. He said, verse 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, who am not worthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But then he says something. He says, By the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God which is in me. Paul went through this transition. I think the body of Christ probably has to go through this same transition. 
Paul was looking at his place in the body of Christ, and he was looking at it, and he was saying, I'm not worthy of this place. I persecuted the church. I killed Christians. What was Paul dealing with? His past. He was dealing with his past. His past sins, he understood how much they, they were gravitating toward being not in fellowship with the things that God wanted him to do, and it was bothering Paul. But Paul made this statement. He says, I'm the least of all the apostles, and I'm not worthy to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church. I want to stop there for a second. Everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a story. Okay? I've got a story. You've got a story. I can tell you that coming from the place that I come from in my own personal life, come from a broken home, okay? I was graciously adopted by a man that took me on as being his son, and I graciously did not return the favor and thank him for it in any way for a long time. Okay? In fact, I didn't understand everything that had happened to me. But I began to realize later on, he did something that I had a reason to be thankful for, even though I didn't know how to appreciate it. And now, I can tell you, my heart is so great. But he did it based on an act that he decided to do with or without my thing. God has kind of done that same thing. He's kind of a, took you into a place in the body of Christ. And whether you realize it or not, whether you ever come to the realization or not, it's still there. He signed a document with his son's blood, and he put you in a place in the body of Christ. And whether you ever realize it or not, it is still so. So everybody's got a story. And what, what Paul was telling us here, he says, I know my story. I persecuted, I killed Christians, and I did it for a living. And yet God had another plan for his life. What kind of transition did he have to go through to ever realize that plan? And you know what we do as, as the body of Christ, what I have done? I've looked at my past. So it was comfortable to stay in a place where I could say I was called and never step into a place where I'm appointed to serve. You, you might not get me, okay? Being called is one thing. Walking in your place is another. Let me tell you the difference between being called. I'm doing it on this level right here because I can see it clearer on this level, and hopefully you can. So you've got a guy that's called to be a pastor. All of his life, he's called to be a pastor. All of his life, he lives in that place called to be a pastor. But he never takes it. Did he succeed when he died? No. He was called. He never accepted the commission of his office. What was the evidence? He never struck out. That happens in every realm of life. Every realm of life. What is it that you're called to do? Are you stepping into it? Or are you still called? It's okay to be called if God is not pushing you towards the mark. That's okay, because Paul stayed in that position for a while. But when God starts pressing you to the mark, when He starts pressing you to the mark, where are you going to be with Him? What Paul struggled with was accepting his past under the blood of Jesus, realizing his past did not dictate his future. You see, if, if many of the church world would have looked at Paul's life, and we as the church world would have been we would have been putting our stamp of approval on Paul as being the next greatest apostle since Jesus Christ himself, we probably wouldn't have never did that. Who would have picked a guy that come out of prison and murdered Christians to be the apostle that wrote 75% of the word? Who would have done that? So can I ask you this question? Will you, as a Christian, for one moment, take your eyes off of what you have 
then and look into where God is looking into what you have become. Because God has done something in our lives called workmanship. He has, we have become, actually that word workmanship is talking also about being a poem. There is rhyme and reason as to why God did things the way He did in your life. There is a work of art that is in the hand of God. And I believe there are people that are called in here, but I also believe there are people that are going to be moving forward. I want to go back to one thing right here. This is one area that I had to get straight on. Um, it was not. I was happy, okay, being in church, being committed, speaking every once in a while, and then going home. All right, I was happy with that. God wasn't quite so pleased with it. So he started requiring something of me. And in, in a very odd and strange times, the Lord would begin to move on me in relation to speaking something into someone's life. Man, I struggle with that. I'm like, this ain't church time. I don't think God really cared what time it was. He didn't care where, what my schedule was. But it really began to bother me, and, and over the course of time, I've learned that when God begins to deal with you on something, you're held accountable to that. You're not let go of it. Just because you don't do it doesn't mean that your accountability lessens. It means that your accountability is still there. And the thing that I would want to do when I pass from this earth, I would want to be able to look there and somebody say, I know that brother. He listened to the Lord. Because I saw him when he ministered. I saw the things that happened through his ministry. He listened to the Lord. You might not be a minister at a five-fold ministry, but let me ask you a question. Are you, is your legacy going to be that you were one that listened to the Lord? I talked to somebody one time and they told me, and, and with tears in their eyes, they said, it was a young person, and they said, I just want to be pliable. I want to be, I don't want to be the guy that he walks over and says, I couldn't get them to do it, so I've got to go to someone else. I don't want to be that. I don't know. That's, that's kind of a good way to be, is to not want, just want to be pliable in his hands. Paul talked about this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7. And I'm going to read verse 6. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shown in our heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. What is it that we have in this earthen vessel? The glory of God in the face of you. I want you to understand something. It's not as much about you as it is about this planet. I want to read you something. Last week, the Lord gave me something on the inside, and I'm just going to read. I'm not going to tell you the word. I'm going to tell you a definition. And there's two different areas that it's a definition in. It says something essential to the existence of something else. Something essential to the existence of something else. And then something necessary to the occurrence of something else. Something necessary to the occurrence. So now we're dealing with existence and occurrence. Something essential to the existence and something essential to the occurrence. What does that mean? Well, let me just share with you, like, when we're looking at the existence. So it takes a man and a wife in our thinking. Now, I don't want to go outside there to make a marriage. Okay? If there's one that is missing, it's not a marriage. So that one that's missing become essential to the existence of a marriage. If there's a male or female that's missing out of that marriage, then there's not a marriage. Okay? And that goes regardless of what you hear and see on TV. It is a male and a female. I want to make sure that's on tape. 
Okay? I don't really care about how other people feel about that. I'm sorry if that seems a little rough. But we've gone so far outside the normal or something. I'm like, where in the world are we at? You know? Thank God that we still got, you know, anyway. I don't need to go any further. I'm not getting the place where I don't need to be. I'm looking at scripture. In Hebrews, it talks about. Yeah, I got to pull them off. You know how you know when you don't get right something down? That's how you know you get right I had it down, but it just won't bear. There it is. So here is an example of this statement. It says something necessary to the occurrence of something else. Let me read you Hebrews, and it's chapter 9, verses 16 and 17. He says, for where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. It says, for the testament is enforced after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. Basically, that's telling us that until someone dies, the will and last testament is not enforced. Okay? So you can have the will and last testament. How many of you know you can go to a lawyer and get it all drawn up? But until the person that had it drawn up dies, there's no power in that document. The moment that individual dies, that, that document begins to live and breathe on this earth and begins to make things happen because someone's going to be in charge of it. Okay? What I want to share with you is this right here. There is something that cannot occur until we as believers take our place. There are things that will not occur until we take our place. Because He has created us in a form and a fashion that we would be inhabited, and what He has inhabited us with is our good works, that He is the one that is pushing that forward in the earth. Just like a wheel is not have, does not have any power, it's powerless, until the administrator or the executor steps in. The executor cannot step in until the person that created it passed. At the moment that the person that passed passes away, the executor steps in. We're his workmanship. Created for his good work. I'm in a place where God placed me. I'm not in a place where I took on my own. I was created with such detail. You were created with such detail to follow in the leading of the Holy Spirit and began to manifest the good work. Those works are works that He wants to accomplish. They cannot exist. The occurrence of them cannot exist until I step in. For some people, that goes way outside their, 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 their thinking. What I can tell you is just right here. God has designed. I got an old truck. This is a good, good little story about an old truck. I got an old truck, 95 truck. Anybody you remember those trucks? They're horrible on gas. They're horrible. Okay, I mean horrible. Like, you go around town, it's like 11 miles a gallon, maybe 10. If you're pulling a little something, it's horrible. You get out on the road and you just baby it and it's 16 and a half and that's the best you're going to get done. You know why? That truck was designed without gas mileage in mind. And I don't care. I even went to the extent of putting a chip in it. You know what I'm saying? There's a chip that you can buy. You can't buy but one or two for that truck. Thinking I was going to improve the gas mileage. You know what? I did. I did. Because it's designed a certain way. I want you to understand you have a design. And in that design, God has got good works for you. How do you know where you're supposed to be if you don't know where you're supposed to be? 
There's a passion, there's a fire inside of you that will light the way. It's whatever you want to do. It may be going and seeing the elderly, and that's okay. It may be going to the homes that are around the area that someone there needs you. It may be doing the feeding of the, of the 5,000. It may be doing whatever it is. Whatever it is. It don't have to be ministerial. I just used that because it was relevant to me. What, what God spoke in my heart, you know, a couple Sundays ago, and I'm really, today, I won't close. I'm not going to hold you up too long. But what God spoke in my heart, and it's just me, okay? So he said something like this to me, kind of come down in a way to trying to communicate it. Um, so I had to deal with the fact of what am I going to do with my life? Because according to Scripture, my life is not mine. And I had to deal with that. And so I'm looking at things right now that are going to change the scope of things in my own life. But one of the things he asked me was, he said, are you going to hide behind the calling of God the rest of your life? Are you? Are you going to hide in that place where you can tell someone you're called and people can see it, but you never accept anything as your responsibility? I know that hard. I'm not trying to say it hard. It just became hard inside of me. Because I was comfortable where I was. And I just simply had to, to, when he asked me to speak, I had no idea what I was going to speak on. I didn't have any idea what I was going to speak on. I, didn't, I just put down the scriptures an hour and a half ago when I was in there in the office and started putting them down. didn't have any idea I was going to go this direction. But the thing that really became apparent to me is what some people and what, and what I have done in times past is I've kind of hung my life up there and I looked at it and I was pretty good with it. But there's a problem. God won't, he won't pretty good with it. He was requiring something of me. You know how hard it is to be in a spot and God starts dealing with you about speaking something to a total stranger, but you have no idea who they are and what their circumstances are, but yet God won't leave you alone. And that you have to get to the point where you're very uncomfortable, and you have to get out there, and then suddenly you're going to take this step, and you don't know if the person's going to look at you and slap you in the face or tell you to get out of their face. You don't have no idea. Do you know how uncomfortable that is? I had to go there. I've had to go there. I didn't want to go there. So, I've said for years, I've told, and I've told David this, I've said for years, I said, I'll go anywhere in the United States if you want me to go. But I'll, I'll travel to go anywhere in the United States. I was not interested in moving outside the border of the U.S. for personal reasons. They don't like us. Okay? I don't know how personal that can get, but they don't like us in every place. Just recently, within the last three to six months, I said God spoke to me in question. And, and he began to deal with my heart. And he said, don't you want to know? Don't you want to know what I do? Don't you want to know what kind of gifts I'll operate for you if you'll just step your foot into the place What are you going to do? Will you step your foot into the place that he's made for you? It might not be outside the United States of America. I've had to change my whole thing. And now when I changed my, when I submitted to God on that, God began to put a passion and a fire inside of me. I'm like, I want to know what's out there. I want to know if I walk in that place, God, what are you up to? What are you up to? There are people, John G. Lake, that we look at, T.O. Osborne that we look at, they never saw the fullness of their ministries until they stepped outside the United States. And then God lit something up. Now I'm looking at it and I'm like, when can I get an opportunity? I want to know. I just want to know. 
If it's like someone puts the fire out in the water, then I'll know. But if, if it's like somebody put me in gasoline and lit me up, I don't know. I can't stay in a place where I don't know. So my question to you today is, is how far do you want to go? There's opportunities that are coming to this body of Christ. And I don't even know what they are. I just know that they're coming. And there's going to be places for people to serve and people to, to give of their gifts. And you know what? You probably don't want me cooking for you unless I'm cooking on the grill. Okay? But there's people in here that can cook and they love it. And I know when they love it. You understand what I'm saying? I know when they love it. But, there, but, but you've got to find your place. Because it's your place, not mine. I want to stand because we're, we're gonna we're gonna get out of here a little bit early. I'm not gonna hold you in to this right here. I just just for a minute here. I just want to do something, and um, I'd like for every head to be bowed and just, just close your eyes for a minute because I want a personal moment. And and if you're in this place where God has spoken to you or is speaking to you about this type of thing, like where you at in relation to where he wants you to be, can you just give me a, a, a little show of hands, just something that's there. Okay. Uh, there's hands going up everywhere. I, I just thank you for that. Because I wanted to know, did it speak to somebody here today? Okay? I'm going to pray right now. I'm going to pray that God would not turn the intensity off. Absolutely not. I'm going to pray that God intensifies it more and more. Father, I just thank you right now in the name of Jesus for this congregation. I thank you, Lord, for our mission, God, for what you're doing in our lives. But Lord, most of all, turn the fire up. Let us understand that we operate in a place where you created us to operate. Lord, if there's any baggage from the past that keeps us from moving forward in the forwardness of your spirit, I pray, God, that it would be completely severed from our lives. Lord, we would see ourselves in your life. And I wanna, I'm going to tell one little story about Bill Johnson that I thought I wanted to tie it in. So Bill Johnson, when he was early in his ministry in the 80s, they, got, they, had, a, they had a revival in their church. And it went on for about 12 months. And one day when they were all out there cleaning the church, there was a roadrunner. You don't know what a roadrunner is. It's a little guy, you know, it doesn't look like the cartoon, but he's a little bird. A little bird can run 20 miles an hour, has been clocked, 26 miles. That bird, is, that bird is awesome. You need to do a little research on it. But he, he went there and had all the doors open on the church and they, they got in and this little bird come in. And then they they all short, they, they got all their effort together trying to get the bird out. After 20 to 30 minutes of running a bird that can run 20 miles an hour, you kind of lose your, you know, you know, everybody don't have that, you know, hard. So after a while they just give up. Bill Johnson, in a joking way. Maybe God trying to speak. He was joking. But immediately after he said that, the Spirit of God spoke to his He said, if you don't And the moment that that thing hit him, the bird turned around and walked straight out of the building. Thank God. Or it will live inside of you and you will die and not fulfill the calling on your life. Waiting, y'all. Got to give me a minute. Thank you, Lord, for your go with us.
I don't understand everything I'm about to say. Most of your life, there's been a passion in your heart. And that passion is finding purpose right now. And God is causing that flame to ignite. And it'll go places that you never thought it could go. All of your life, you've been built. You've been people of building. God's wanting to construct something. He's wanting to part with you. God, thank you, Lord, for your word. I just thank you, God, that you, Lord, you take this word into our hearts, God, and help us, Lord, to move and minister.